Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards, and this week we're going to look at who's running on gas and who's run out of fuel a little bit. Joining us this week to look over all the action is our very own 007, Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. The name's Rob. The name's Worrell, Rob Worrell, yeah. yeah. I think that's where the comparisons yeah. end. And our very own Q, Dickie Wharton. <laughs> I've been expecting you, Mr. Edwards. Yeah, good to see you. Where's Come Manny on. Penny? <laughs> She's gone to the gym, actually. <laughs> This week, we're going to be talking to Wrexham Secretary Geraint Parry and also Curzon Ashton Manager Steve Cunningham. But again, it's well, the rain was all over the country yesterday. And it's fair to say the goals are raining in, in the National League as well. And, and one game didn't even make it because of the rain. We'll get onto that later on. Um, I think we need to start though with Grimsby, Robin. They had a really strong win against bottom of the table Dover. And ironically, we're talking about rain. And it was, uh, it was interesting that Luke Waterfall bagged a couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's so many uh, uh, potential puns, isn't there, this week uh, with, with the rain, with the fuel crisis uh, continuing. Uh, and, and I just want to say before we start, fair play. I doff my cap to all those fans who travelled from one end of the country to the other or from one end of their country to another yesterday. And uh, it just uh, it just goes to show how far people will go literally and metaphorically in support of their teams. Yeah, but in terms of Grinsby, I mean, I I wasn't sure how they'd do this year. I thought they might be sort of in and around the playoffs, but they've got off to a fantastic start, haven't they? And and Paul Hurst has yeah. won this league before, hasn't he? Well, he's got promotion out this league before and uh, he knows what to do and he's assembled a good squad, hasn't he? Yeah, it's one of the differentiating factors. You've got to look at you've got to look closer for a few more. Uh, I have to admit, um looking at the way the squad's were at the start of the season. I'd got Southend and Grimsby in similar categories. I thought they'd both kept, if I'm honest, too many players from their relegated sides. Um, but to be fair, both did add uh, quite astutely to their squads. And then I was concerned about the size of those squads. Were they too big? Um, but my goodness me, what a difference, um, other than perhaps on the opening day, when they both got reasonable results, decent results, uh, since then, it's been a downward spiral for Southend and uh, for Grimsby. As you rightly say, Paul Hurst has been there before. He knows what he's doing. Phil Brown hasn't. And and this is where we have to stop the comparisons, really, because um, I don't think I think everybody knows that, that there are many, many issues at Southend. And they're probably coming to the, the, the fore. We'll talk about them a little bit more when we look at the, the bottom end of the table. But for Grimsby, the main thing that Paul Hurst has got. He's got goals flying in from everywhere. It was John McAtee that got the season kicked off and he continued to add to his tally yesterday. But there were a couple more for Ryan Taylor as well. Um, and they really did blitz Dover, who uh, I see from Ricky Miller's uh, Instagram yesterday. They flew. They flew up to uh, um, Grimsby. And initially you think, oh, that's a bit over the top. But actually it might well have been a, a pretty smart move considering the fuel crisis that we got. Yeah, I know you wanted to. Uh, I know we normally sort of work from the top downwards, but we've got to go to mid-table Woking. I mean, Rob, what what are two results they've had over the past seven days? They beat Chesterfield in midweek 
three goals to one, and then had a fantastic win at Notts County four one after falling behind as well. Yeah, absolutely fantastic from Woking at the minute. It's, uh, um, it, it, I, th- I think the level with just how well they're doing has surprised me and 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 surprised I think a lot of people in the national league and and, and people perhaps even within their own club. Um, you know, to to beat Chesterfield who hadn't lost before in the week and then back that up by coming from behind to win 4-1 away at Notts County. You hadn't lost at home before yesterday. And that man, Tarvin Campbell, now just one goal behind Shimanga, top scorer. Eight goals in the seven games, although the reality is I think he scored eight goals in four of them because he's, he's scored four braces, hasn't he? He's really got his teeth into that one. And I've nicked your line, Luke, haven't I? <laughs> you have. We spoke about this before we came on air. That was my line, but there we go. <laughs> That's all right. I know you're going to take one of mine in a minute. Yeah. But no. Um, now, this is a really, really big ask for um, Woking. But can they do it again with a, a third magnificent win in, 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 in seven or eight days? They take on Dagenham in the week. And, uh, you know, if they come out with a positive result from that one, we've got to seriously start looking at Woking um, as playoff contenders. There does tend to be that one of the if you like smaller clubs, and when I say smaller, Woking are not a small club, but compared to some of the ex-league clubs in this league, they are. And if they go and pull off a result against Dagenham as well, then we've got to look seriously at them for contenders. Um, and, and credit to, to Douse. Wretched, wretched end to last season. Um, barely picked up a point, did they, in those closing stages? But he's masterminded the change to full-time, and I don't think anybody expected to see him doing this well this quickly. Uh, Grinsby, we talked about them before. They replaced Dagen and Redbridge at the top. And it just shows the, the inconsistency in this league and why we love it so much. Because Dagen were actually absolutely flying, weren't they? They had a fantastic 5-1 win last week. And he took on Altrincham, who have been going okay this season, doing very well. But Dagenham at home went 2-1 up. We'd expect him to finish the job. They didn't. Altrincham scored two late goals through Josh Hancock and Dan Mooney and secured a fantastic win. That moves Altrincham up into sixth place. And Darryl McMahon said, do you know what? Like, Altrincham fully deserved it. If we'd have got a point, I'd have taken that. But we didn't really deserve anything on the day. No, I mean, we, we spoke about Altrincham last week when, when Chris joined us and, and, and he spoke about how, um, particularly at home, that, that Altrincham's results shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, but that, that, that at Moss Lane, they're, they're quite capable of beating anybody. And, you know, they've, they've gone on the road and done it yesterday, which, which speaks hugely of, of, of Phil Parkinson's team. They, they did similarly last season. They, they got off to a... Well, they didn't get a great start last season and they hit a really strong patch of form, um, fell away a little bit, probably even now, you know, over the course of the season, we expected them to be where they were, but altering and making a, a really, really good fist of it. And once again, the recruitment looks to have been really, really good. We know that he's picked up players like Marcus Tinanga, who's sort of had hit and miss spells at this level, certainly when he was with Hartlepool, but it, things just keep rolling along nicely at Altrincham. I think the really significant thing about that game is that uh, it's happened a lot for Dagenham this season. They've gone behind and then responded very quickly and they've turned uh, negative scorelines into positive ones. They did exactly that yesterday with Mauro Villette and Matt Robinson scoring again. And they led 2-1 at half-time and at that point, glancing from afar, you thought, well, they'll probably go on and see that through. But fair play to the other Phil Parkinson is doing a tremendous job at Altrincham and he really is getting a tune out of them and 
and and it, you're right it's another reason why we we love this league it's just so impossible to predict um you know some some really shocking scorelines again yesterday that just weren't logical fair play to Altrincham I'm sure you won't mind me saying this, but the, he's the bald Phil Parkinson, isn't he? <laughs> Out the two, yeah. He's got do they sing? In... Do the Altrincham fans sing two Phil Parkinsons or not? I don't know. I don't know. I've not been yet, but uh, that was their that was their 100th win in charge of Altrincham, him and Neil Sarville. So a fantastic job. It's the level he's brought them from as well. I mean, they were they were um, they were at a Northern Premier League side when when Phil Parkinson was appointed. He came over from Nantwich Town, where he'd done a good job. Um, and and his progress and Altrincham's progress under him shows, you know, what happens when you, you give a manager time to breathe in the role. I think you know it helped immensely that they got a promotion in their first season. But then they went on their first season in National League North. They were losing playoff side. They went up in their second season. Um, there doesn't seem to be any. Uh, ceiling on it for Phil Parkinson. You know, sometimes you get a suggestion that a manager might have reached his level um phil parkinson not showing any signs of that and i think it shows great belief in the side that they you know scored two goals in the 87th and the 90th minute yesterday they just they kept on going to the end yeah i'm just talking of dagenham as well they're comfortably the highest scorers in the division as well so they're very entertaining they've got goals in them and if they can just tighten it up a little bit more at the bat then then i'm sure they'll bounce back they'll definitely be there or thereabouts i think won't they yeah 24 goals in nine games but 13 conceded which is more than anybody else in the top seven so uh, yeah but certainly good entertainment value we'll find out why the other phil parkinson wasn't too happy shortly even though his side were leading at the time but we'll go back to the start of the game down at all the shot and rob caught up with wrexham secretary garrett parry to talk about how the season's gone so far and all the changes that have taken place so I'm joined before the Aldershot Wrexham game in a very wet and windy northeast Hampshire uh, by Geraint uh, Parry, the Wrexham secretary. Good afternoon to you, Geraint. Good safe journey down. Yeah, not too bad. It, it, to be honest, the weather was only bad when we got here. <laughs> you left a beautiful day back in Wrexham, exactly. haven't you? Key three questions for you. Uh, first of all, I know we're a bit down the road with the investment now, but is it good to see a little bit of patience and, and caution exercise, but eventually... By the time the season got started, some very good quality players joining the club. I have to admit, you look, you do look at the quality, don't you? The players who come in, and it, it does take you back, and it, and it has for all supporters. Um, it's obviously we're looking for that to mesh now and become a force, but it, it's early days. Uh, expectations are high among supporters. We understand that. I mean, you get eight thousand for home crowds is just uh, unbelievable. This, this time last year, who would have thought yeah. that? Um, so yes, it has to be tempered a little bit, but the players are there. They want to be here. We've got the manager as well in place. There's still plenty of other things to do but the owners it has to be something bit by bit and it, it is a project rather than a, you know, a sprint isn't it it's yeah. a cliche you want to come up with along that but it, that, it, that's it there's a lot of good teams in this league as you know too well and a lot of money being spent by certain clubs so um, it doesn't guarantee you anything does it it could put you in the mix but you've got to work it week in and week out and as well as the expectations being high have you noticed particularly with the opposition kind of treating it as Wrexham are a bigger scalp or has that always been the case anyway? Um, it might well be anyway, next league club, but no. Um, clubs are coming like, I'm dagging them the other day. Uh, I mean, they, 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 we beat them, but goodness knows how. <laughs> it has to be yeah. said. Yeah. They were very unfortunate not to leave the least a point in the race course. Um, but yeah, so the, the clubs are there. And yes, I'm sure they will raise their game. Um, I mean, we've, we've got some... Um, every, every, every turn, 
we could, we're not wanting publicity, are we? <laughs> it's going no. to be said whether it's the latest FIFA game that's just come out or, or whatever. It's bottles of gin. It doesn't matter. It's just amazing. Um, the two the two new owners. I've not met them yet, but they come across so so well, don't they? And they're, they're very comfortable. Uh, they take a mickey at themselves on these little videos they do, uh, and, and the fans are really taken to them. And they want it to be something that that they not just lifting the football club, but lifting the area. Mm. They want they want to leave a legacy behind, uh, and that's what they're working towards. And do you think the reason that they've not been over um, is, or, or not in the public eye anyway, is is that to do with them not wanting to hog the limelight, or is it just to do, due to them being very busy actors? Uh, it, they're definitely busy. They're, yeah. they're, they're, I can't believe it. Ryan keeps putting out movies every other week when I look up for me. Uh, and uh, Rob's got, got his series. He's going, we always sunny, Philadelphia one. And they just commission more of that. So they've got loads of work back in America. They want to get across. They really do. I'm hoping it, it won't be too long. I mean, I have no time frame on that. COVID has obviously caused a problem for them getting in and out of the country and getting back to what they have to do. They could probably only spare a couple of days here and there to, to get across. And you talked about sides raising their games. I, from an Aldershot perspective, just sharing it with you, Gary, Aldershot have to. They've lost seven home games on the trot now, back end of this season, beginning of this, and they're desperate to make a mark under Mark Molesley. And what won't be lost on you, of course, is that in recent history, in the last five years, it's been a bit of uh, a, a bogey side or a bogey trip coming here. It go back to, to when we started playing each other in the late 50s. We do so well at the race course, but the, for our victories down here, few and far between. So uh, I can even count on one hand the ones I've seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hits. And uh, they clues are friendly as well, as you remember coming down for. But no, it's uh, it's yes, yes. If, if, if bogey grounds and those sort of things do count against you, we don't do well here. It has to be even when we play well, we don't do here. You see last minute goals. So, but they'll try their best, and they need to get back in the group. But yes, Aldershot do with big got a new manager, new management team, and they want to impress as well, and they want to impress their own supporters here today. So, so they're part of it, and they want to be heading to the top end of the table, like we all do. And final question for you, busy man, obviously as the club secretary, but these are exciting times. Are you enjoying the ride? Are you managing to enjoy the ride as well, Greg? It's it, it's um it's it is amazing. Every time we turn around, you know, suddenly thousands of people want season tickets. Six thousand season ticket holders up from two thousand two hundred, uh, and it's it, it is absolutely amazing. Um, but we, we're catching up slowly and surely behind the scenes as well. Brilliant stuff. Thank you so much. And that is Garrett Parry, one of the nicest men in football. And uh, Robbie speaks very well, and he's almost pinching himself, I think, isn't he? He is, and um, I, I just thought he was a great guy to chat to. A really, really interesting chat. I hope the listeners uh, enjoyed that. Um, he will have been as miffed as anybody later on and just frustrated, really, because, the, look, the biggest factor is the weather conditions, which were horrendous, and they forced an abandonment at Aldershot for the first time since 2006 when they started a game against Greys and they, and they packed it in after about eight or ten minutes. It was a hilarious eight or ten minutes. Thankfully, nobody got hurt that time. Um, but it is traditionally quite a decent pitch at uh, Aldershot, but that, that, that it just couldn't take the sheer amount of, of rainfall yesterday. Um, the game itself, Wrexham, superb. Everything gelled for them. They were brilliant in possession, out of possession. You could see throughout the team the quality they've put together, uh, you know, the six or seven players that they've brought down from the EFL. And uh, by all accounts, listening to, to those on the Wrexham side, it, it might perhaps have gelled better yesterday than it has done so far this season. Full credit to them. 2-0 up, could have been 3 or 4 and not, and I have to say, not a, not a poor performance from Aldershot at all. They gave it their heart and soul out there, but Wrexham were just that good uh, on the day. As for the conditions, they weren't great in the first half. There were four players injured, two from each team, and we wish 
um, all of those players well. Uh, there was some forking of the pitch at halftime, but let's be clear about one thing. Aldershot Town don't have a team. They don't have a suite of groundkeepers. This has been, this have... has been the big bone of contention, Rob, on Twitter, hasn't it? I know, like I said, Rob McElhenney um, weighed in on Twitter. There was, there was pictures of Wrexham players trying to sweep the pitch. Paul Mullen had a towel out as well. And I know Phil Parkinson brought it up as well in his post-match. But like you said, I think you've got one groundsman, have you? Yeah, one groundsman, three or four volunteers on a match day. Uh, just the facts, really. There, there were for, they were out there forking the pitch at halftime, but the, the relentlessness of the rain and the sheer the sheer amount of it, um, you know, it, it meant it, it became more and more unplayable as it went on. Full credit to the referee who came out and did a few tests just before the sec- start of the second half. And if I'm really honest, probably might have called it off then. Um, he, he did the old trying to kick the ball test and the ball was not going more than a foot. And then he threw the ball up in the air to see if it would bounce and it just went splodge as it landed. Um, so we didn't think from those tests he'd start the second half. He had a chat with the managers and he did. And then literally about seven or eight minutes into the second half, Mo Betamer in his own half, trapped a ball, tried to pass it forward about 12 feet and it went less than a foot and he blew his whistle. And he said, look, we've got to stop play. And and then apparently, we, well, I think most of us in the ground thought the game was abandoned at that point. But an announcement came over saying that uh, he was going to have a look at things in five minutes. Um, he took himself off to the change room, as did the Aldershot team. Uh, you know, quite rightly thinking, well, we might have got away with one here. This is cool. Uh, and obviously, understandably as well, the some players and management were out on the pitch. They didn't want it to end. They were in great form. Um, and I think they, their frustration that the, the conditions were deteriorating and they're looking around like, who's doing something about it? There was two or three volunteers out there. I know one of them at least was trying to take instruction on his phone on what he should do, shouldn't do. Um, and I think there was an understandable frustration from the, uh, the, the Wrexham camp that, that more wasn't being done. But um, yeah, I think some of the efforts to sweep the water off the pitch were in vain. It was a bit of a drop in the ocean, literally, really, and throwing a couple of towels. <laughs> good, good. I mean, I, like I think that. to be, some people have suggested that that was thick or ignorant of the Wrexham players. I don't think so at all. I think it was just a bit of irony, really, and the sheer frustration from them. Um, Phil Parkinson, as you say, did allude to it afterwards. He was a bit frustrated, but in fairness, um, there wasn't much more that could have been done at halftime. It, the pitch was forked and it was deteriorating pretty badly. Final comment from me. Um, some of the Wrexham fans have taken Aldershot's cheers and celebrations when the game was called off the fans as, as something personal. It wasn't. You've got to understand the irony. Aldershot have lost seven home matches on the trot. And they suddenly got the news that they hadn't lost this one, even though they were 2-0 down. And it wasn't personal against Wrexham. It was irony. And you tell me any set of fans in the world that wouldn't have celebrated that just as hard and just as loud. I just want to say that prior to yesterday's events, relations between Wrexham and Aldershot have been fantastic. The two sides have played each other, I think, consecutively in the last nine seasons. I know certainly with my BBC colleagues at Wales as well, we've had a fantastic relationship and they provide a brilliant service. And it would have been frustrating for everybody concerned yesterday at Wrexham. We wish them well for the rest of the season and uh, look forward to the, the the remaining two matches we've got against them this season. I've been in similar situations where we, you're trying to get a game on and you're on the field. I, I've I've 
you know, left my position in the commentary box and, and, and been on the pitch with a fork, trying to make sure that we get a game on, which we then subsequently lost, you know, and it, it's, um, everybody does their best. Um, and by the sounds of things, the, 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 the weather forecast, not just for the, the point that the game was called off, but the weather forecast for the hours that followed just meant that, you know, it was a, a untenable situation to carry on I the think, game. I think that's a really good point, Dickie. And I think, I, I don't think anybody from either camp Argued that 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 game was can get was still playable at the point that it was called off, and of course there's a bit of human nature involved. You do more if your team's winning to one and you do less. If, but to be honest, we could have had twelve groundsmen there yesterday forking the pitch. It wouldn't it wouldn't have been enough. Um, but I do understand the frustration from within the Wrexham camp. You you got to have a thoughts some thoughts to player safety as well. Clearly the spectacle of the game, but. You know, if if the game if the, if the game had carried on, and and Wrexham had won, but that had come at the expense of a Wrexham player suffering a bad injury, you know, in a tackle on a surface like that, you know, would would the complaints have been then? Well, you know, should the game have carried on on such a surface? Rob, were yeah, four, in, were the four injuries from the conditions as well? Uh at least three of them were. Yeah, at least three of them were. I can't um I can't recall one of them, but Jaden Harris cut his head open. That was again p- players couldn't. Players couldn't tell when the ball was going to bounce, stop, kick on, you know, and that makes it very difficult to time their challenges. Um, Tozer went down awkwardly um, as Jaden Harris went down in the box as well. For what it's worth, I think they both slipped. Um, I don't think it was a penalty to Aldershot, if I'm honest. Um, some people did vehemently think it was, but, I'd, 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 you know, but... Um, I don't know about um, I don't know about Luke Youngs. I think he got caught quite heavily on the ankle, and I think uh, again whether that was to do with the pitch conditions or not, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, moving on, we're going to look at the two teams in fourth and fifth. Halifax and Bournemouth both got away points. Bournemouth were on TV against Eastleigh, and Harry Pritchard gave Eastleigh the lead. Nathan Ashmore feels slightly disappointed that he didn't keep the ball out, but then a contentious handball decision handed. Bournemouth a penalty, Scott Bowden stepped up and, and slammed it home and, and that was that really in what wasn't a great spectacle for the TV. Also Barnett drew nil-nil with Halifax, a good point. I think both sides will be satisfied. All four teams that played basically in those games will be satisfied with a point, I think, won't they? Yeah, um, well, I think for Halifax, another point on the road, uh, a clean sheet and they remain in fifth place. Uh, for for Barnet and the new management or the temporary new management, whatever it is, Dean Brennan, you know that a clean sheet definitely starts to give them a platform and build a bit of confidence. Um, and I think we disagreed a little bit, didn't we? I think um, with the BT guys, our, our good friends at BT, I think they said, "Yeah, good game, good game." A couple of times, we didn't think so at all. We didn't think that Boreham Wood, um, sorry, Eastleigh against Boreham Wood was a particularly good game. Um, and I think, yeah. From the post-match interviews, Luke Garrard was a little happier than Ben Strevens. And a um, um, little bit of disappointment for us guys this morning. We were very hopeful that Luke Garrard would be able to join us today on the NL Full-Time Podcast. But it, it, uh, it didn't quite get across the line in the end. Hopefully Luke can come and join us soon. I'm here now. Oh, sorry that, Luke. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Solihull are just outside the playoffs on goal difference. They had a good win against a struggling South End side. So Joe Sabara, as you might expect, was involved. He forced an own goal from 
Sean, Sean Hobson, Hobson, who put it into his own net. And then Sabari was fouled and upstep Jimmy Ball to give Sully Hall all three points. But we've got to talk about Southend. Phil Brown's under massive pressure. They're in the bottom three now. And, and as you said, Rob, a lot of that squad, we talked about it at the start of the season, a lot of that squad played in League Two last year and, and maybe it just needs to freshen up. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm really, really honest, I don't know what the answer is for Southend. They can keep changing the manager. I'm not going to say it's all on him. Um, it's just not right. Um, it's just not right uh, from from the foundations of the club. And, you know, the South End owner went over and attempted to talk to the fans after the game yesterday, but eventually was dragged away on police advice, wasn't, it? wasn't he? It, it didn't go well. And, uh, you know, I, I think probably by making that move was clearly showing, you know, his own passion. But uh, there's just so much. You could do a whole podcast on South End alone and what's been wrong there over the last five or ten years. Um, what is the answer for them right now? I don't know. I don't think Phil Brown's a quitter, so they'll probably have to get rid of him. And, you know, the financial situation is pretty precarious at South End anyway. So I really don't know the way forward. South End fans, if you want to come on and vent, get in touch with us at NL Full Time. And what's our email, Luke? Uh, NLFullTime at gmail.com or on Instagram as well, NL Full Time. Um, and I know the South End fans want the owner gone, so I think him going over would is just like pouring petrol on the fire in a way, isn't it? I suppose him walking over to those fans. Yeah, and uh, I guess what we'd love to hear: what's the majority feeling within South End? Is it the owner and the board that they want change, or uh, you know, are they uh, are they seeing that it's just not working under Phil Brown, who's managed at the top level in this country, but hasn't managed at this level before? We'll look at Stockport. They had to come from behind once again to win by two goals to one. I don't think it was that convincing down at Weymouth, but still it was a massive win for them. They fell behind to Sean Shields in the first half, a horrendous defensive mix-up before Paddy Madden got on the score sheet once again. And then new signing Ollie Crankshaw, who they signed from Bradford City in a week for an undisclosed fee. He got the winner and that's a massive win for Stockport, isn't it, Dickie? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it's important that they followed up that, that result they got last week against Wrexham um, and, and they've done so. That, that, that was a, a really big result from them last week. You know, they, they've just got to start doing consistently. The, the start of the season hasn't been what Stockport fans, indeed a lot of fans looking in, um, anticipated from Stockport with the investment that's gone in there. Um, I think we were expecting to see them slugging it out first and second place with Wrexham at the top. And it's not worked quite that way for either of them, which again, we talk about the the, the strength of, of this league and, and the thing that makes it so enjoyable is that, you know, we, teams don't have it all their own way and Stockport haven't had it all their own way at all. But that, that, that was important to, important three points from yesterday. And they're up to ninth, got 14 points, just a point outside the playoffs, six points off the lead. Not too much damage done for Stockport County, but for the side that got the most clean sheets last season, mm. incredible that they've managed to assemble 14 points this season, but they've got a minus three goal difference. I was going to say they've uh, got the, the worst goal difference by a mile in the top 10, haven't they? Uh, they've got the worst goal difference in the top 15, uh, joint with Eastley, minus three. So, um, yeah, uh, a little bit of work to be done there. And I think we can see where it needs to be done as well. Um, but Simon Rusk will have uh, quietened uh, the disenchantment. Uh, is that a word? I don't know. <laughs> disenchantment. Is what yeah. Saying, yeah. Uh, but Simon Rusk will have uh, 
dampened down the uh, disenchantment over the last uh, week or so with uh, some points on the board, which is is what counts at the end of the day. And if that game uh, had couple of contenders for two of the worst goals of the day in the National League yesterday. There's absolutely no doubts at all about the goal of the of, of the day in the National League. And that was from Joe Lewis, the Torquay centre-back, who picked the ball up in his own half, ran the length of the pitch and then smashed it in the top corner. Um, and that was the fourth goal of five that Torquay scored. They uh, were rampant yesterday against Wealdstone. Um, five nil altogether, and two goals for Dan Holman. Um, rolling back the years, great finishes, great footwork. A player I loved at his pomp, and was so so desperately uh, frustrated that he just couldn't find that form or get enough chances when he was at Aldershot. But great to see him doing well at uh, the grand old age of thirty six. Well done, Dan Holman. Well done, Joe Lewis, and. And well done, Torquay United and Gary Johnson, who are getting their own season back on track right now, Luke, aren't they? Yeah, they were 4-0 up at half-time in that game. And as you say, there was some, that again, difficult conditions, but they managed it really well. And there was goals as well from Tom Lapsey and Armani Little. So right off Torquay at your peril. And the other game as well was a, a really interesting game. Uh, down in Berkshire, where Maidenhead took on Kingsland, and it was a fantastic come-behind win for Kingsland, who'd suffered a 4-1 defeat at Aldingham in midweek. And again, if anyone thought, Rob or Dickie, that Kingsland were going to make up the numbers this season, I think that result's just proven that they're not going to. Oh, they'll be competitive and, and you know, they'd, they'd be hugely well. The, the, the way the game went yesterday, back and forth, and they, they, were, they were leading 2-1, up until the 90th minute um, when they conceded a, 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 an equaliser, Sam Barrett equalising from the penalty spot. But then, yeah, off to the other end, Brett, Brett McGavin with an injury time winner. Um, and they'll feel they got where they deserved out of that one, having led for pretty much all of the second half. But, um, yeah, we, we speak about Kings Lynn and the adjustment to the level that, that, they're, that they're having to make, but they're showing the signs... Of, of, of being able to do that you know I don't think we're talking realistically about them being a top half team they're still finding their feet particularly after last season you know Covid affected no fans there are financial challenges I think as well I, my, my impression is that Kings Lynn were a team on the up but perhaps got to where um, they wanted to go maybe a little bit sooner than they expected to get there um, and, and they have had to make a lot of adjustments but, but they're you know they're hanging in there, um, and yeah, they 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 are a competitive side. Coming yeah. up next, we're going to look at the games that took place in the National League North and National League South, and also how the North and South teams fared in the FA Cup. Making small changes to your lifestyle could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. Start now by taking our free How Are You quiz. Just search One You. We're going to look at how the North and South sides left in the FA Cup fared very shortly but we're going to look at the four league fixtures that took place across the North and South Division and Charlie drew first of all with Bradford Park Avenue and they'll maybe feel like it's two points dropped Dickie especially after the home form in recent weeks. Uh, yeah I would think that they might do um, they, they certainly led in the game through uh, this is where you and I might differ on the pronunciation John Ustabashi I think I've, I've been told. But- Ustabashi yeah. I think it's ah, Mr. Barcy, well, but it's about the same. Yeah. 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 I mean, they, they led through him a uh, goal early in the, in the second half, but Luke Rawson's equaliser 12 minutes from time from Bradford, uh, Bradford 
got them a point. They'll be pretty pleased with that, given the run of form that they're on. Um, it was a rearrangement of a fixture which was abandoned about a month ago when Avenue midfielder Jake Hibbs broke his leg very badly in a challenge. Um, he He's not been able to work since. And I understand that admission to the game yesterday was free, but donations in lieu of ticket price went into um, a, a fund to, to help fund Jacobs whilst he's not working, while he's got this bad leg break. But so some, some nice charity being offered yesterday, but I don't think the, the charity of Laying Avenue have a, an equaliser would have been quite so welcome from Chorley. No, absolutely. And the other game in the National League North, it's fair to say it's been an eventful 48 hours or so for Darlington off the field, hasn't it, Dickie? I mean, we heard the news that Alan Armstrong had collapsed and was rushed into to hospital to have emergency surgery. There was some doubt as to whether the game would go ahead because he, he while he was in hospital, they, they did a COVID test and he tested positive for that. So there was a lot of uncertainty, but the game did go ahead in the end. Yes, it did. Yeah. Um, it, uh, first of all, we send our good wishes to Alan Armstrong because obviously uh, what's happened with him, I, I gather it was a, a, a strangulated umbilical hernia um, without wishing to share too much of his medical details with everybody, but but they can prove fatal. Um, so first of all, we have to say that, that it's great that Alan Armstrong got the treatment that he needed, um, has had surgery and has come out of that. Um, he sent a message to his team yesterday morning to let them know that he was well and to the supporters. And of course, he should rally and cry to say the thing that would make me feel best would be a victory this afternoon. Darlington hadn't won at home in three attempts prior to yesterday, but they got their maiden win yesterday. A 3-0 win over Telford, two goals from Luke Charman and a, a, a third goal later on from Kevin Dos Santos, which was slightly disputed, but it didn't affect the overall result. And, and Darlington, you know, they got where they deserved yesterday. They, were, they, they played much better than, than Telford did, who they're in a wretched run of form at the moment. They won their opening game of the season against Chorley, but have gone winless in five subsequently. So it, it felt like a game where something had to give yesterday. Telford hadn't got a single point on the road. Darlington hadn't got a point at home. Um, and, it, and it was a case of who was going to blink first. And, and Darlington just started the much more strongly. The two teams got themselves into a 1-0 lead, doubled the lead partway through the second half. And, and that, to be honest, they never really looked any, in any trouble from what Telford had to offer on the day. Yeah, Telford just above the relegation zone now, aren't they as well? I mean, they're only kept out of it by Gloucester, surprisingly, and it's on goal difference as well. Yeah, they are. And it, it, it's not... You know, it's not the start that, that any side would want. It's certainly not the side that, that, that Gavin Cowan would have wanted. It's not the start that Telford fans were looking for. Um, there is some frustration uh, around the club at the moment. And, and I know that some fans are, are distinctly unhappy with the continued presence of, of, of Gavin Cowan as the club's manager. Um, whether that will change, I, I really have no idea at all. You know, I am, I am involved with the club and I know things that go on there but I haven't got any suggestion as to whether that's going to continue or not you know it's it's just a really really difficult situation Gavin Cowan came out yesterday in his post-match radio interview and said he's not a quitter he's not going to be one who's going to be walking away he wants to see this through and he wants to just keep working hard and get out the other side of it um Dare I say it, it's the same thing that, that all managers say, but but that tends to be because it's true that, you know, when you're in a bad run of form, you do just have to keep on doing what you do and just hope that your luck's going to turn at some point. Absolutely. And in, in the South, Rob, there was, there was two games there, a comfortable win for Oxford City in the end over Welling United. And 
We know about Welling's problems. They appointed former England under-21s and Leicester manager Peter Taylor this week, but they didn't have any, it didn't have any effect at all. I know Joe Yacofano, he scored, Elliot Bengen, and also Harry Bradbury. And um, it's, it's a strange, it's a funny appointment on Twitter. It was kind of met with a mixed reception from Welling fans. Obviously, he's got the experience, but is he what Welling need right now? I don't know is the honest answer, but I do know this. That guy must love football because, uh, as we all know, he had a game as England manager. Uh, he's managed at the top level and he still wants to be involved and he's taken the job like that. So I'll just say give credit to Peter Taylor for taking that job. Um, but those two wins were quite significant yesterday for Oxford City. That pushed them up to fourth place in the National League. They took full advantage of the other teams being involved elsewhere in the FA Cup. And, and the other game was a fascinating one because Tunbridge and uh, Concord Rangers both kind of punching above their weight this season, uh, both up the top end of the, the league prior to yesterday. And it was Concord who prevailed eventually in a bit of a ding-dong affair. Ben Allen eventually getting the winner in the 88th minute. The 3-2 win for Concord puts them third in the table uh, with 14 points now. And uh, they continue to overachieve. Yeah, it's Harvey Bradbury. Sorry, not Harry Bradbury. Apologies there to Harvey Bradbury if he's listening. I got your name wrong. But as people will know, I am terrible with names. So please forgive me on that. Um, we're going to look now. That's at... all right, Larry. Yeah, no. Oh, I get called. Do you know what? I get called Lee all the time. So that's it. Um, Lee or Liam. So I'm used to it. I'm used to people getting my name wrong. So. As revenge, I just get their name wrong. Anyway, <laughs> in the FA Cup third qualifying round, a lot of the South teams, I think, fared okay, didn't they, Rob? Yeah, largely they did, Luke. Um, and we will promise to feature those sides from the North and South more heavily once we get to the fourth qualifying round, the draw for which will be done at 3.15 on Monday and it's live on TalkSport 2 if you want to catch it. And uh, yeah, there's quite a few National League South sides in the draw. Uh, biggest winners of the day were Bath, who beat Frome uh, 5-0. And uh, a few other teams came through comfortably too as well. Hampton and Richmond Borough beating uh, Wim- Wimborne, scoring three goals in the process. And congratulations to uh, the evergreen Alan Julian, who made his 600th appearance, uh, career appearance in that game. It was 3-1. He didn't keep a clean sheet, but... Uh, I know that the the win will have meant a lot to him and uh, those at uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough, including our very own Tom. Uh, Hungerford uh, beat Sirencester 3-2 to progress. Ebbsfleet and Chelmsford both won narrowly, 1-0 against Aylesbury and Enfield. Uh, And Dorking as well. Really surprised me this stat, but uh, they beat Western Supermare 1-0 and it's the first time that they've made the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup. And I think what that demonstrates is a point that Mark White is always keen to point out at the moment, that they have been coming up the leagues over the last few seasons. And, uh, you know, he's concerned. I heard his post-match interview uh, yesterday. He's concerned that there's this perception out there that because they've achieved so well in the past, that they should just automatically sweep the league this season. And and, and he's probably quite right in, in, in pointing out that... Uh, uh, football's not that simple and they're still adjusting to life at this level. Uh, Hampton and Waterlooville against Billericay was an all-National League South side. Uh, uh, it was uh, Paul Doswell's men that uh, prevailed in that one, 3-2. Eastbourne have got to go and do it again after drawing 2 all at Horsham. 
And St Albans will have as well. Uh, they were held by Met Police, a really creditable result um, for them. And there were a couple of sides that uh, dipped out as well. Chippenham losing 1-0 at home to Hastings. Remember them from mm. a few seasons ago, boys? They had a cracking run, didn't they, in the, uh, in the cup back then? Yeah, Chippenham, they've been doing all right in the league this season. That's a real shock. They were at home as well, weren't they? And they, they've tumbled out, as you said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Maidstone have gone as well. The biggest tie of the round, I guess. Uh, two high flyers in the National League South, Maidstone and Dartford. And Steve King's men just go relentlessly on, don't they? What a result. Maidstone nil, Dartford three, and Dartford progress, as well as having that uh, nice, healthy lead at the top of uh, the National League South. Looking at the North, Dickie, I know they've been in bad form, but I think one of the biggest shocks was seeing Gloucester lose down at Folkestone. Yeah, it was. It was only a couple of National League North sides who actually departed the FA Cup yesterday, and one of them was Gloucester going down 1-0 at Folkestone in victory, a step four side, Isthmian League Premier. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, Gloucester's poor start to the season continues, and they've got a new manager in place now in Lee Mansell, um, he, he's had a, a, an op, more than one opportunity to have a look at what he's, what kind of a job he's got on his hands, um, and you would suggest quite a lot. I mean, being at the bottom of the league uh, or towards the bottom of the league, arguably they don't have the FA Cup to concern them anymore. But I, I, I dare say they would like the exposure in FA Cup run if they could have got one with what they're trying to build at Gloucester. So it's a blow to them. No side wants to go out of the competition, but um, in some respects, it feels like Gloucester have got bigger fish to fry. You know, they've got higher ambitions in in the National League North. They certainly wouldn't expect to be in the bottom three, which is where they are now. Um, And Lee Mansell, I guess, has, has got the opportunity to do that now but but he's uh, I think he's brought a couple of players in this week already a couple of players on loan just trying to strengthen what he's got there and just give him a few more options but um, things Mansell, have changed very quickly yeah Go Mansell want, he'll want a quick start Mansell won't he he will yes yeah they're certainly not in pole position and um, you know how much times have changed you know at this point of last season Gloucester were top of National League North looking pretty much invincible they were smashing goals past people for fun um, and then the departure of James Rowe last autumn to Chesterfield, it, it, it didn't change overnight, but that 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 changed things an awful lot at Gloucester. You know, we, we saw the departure of players, Paul Groves coming in. Obviously, we know he's gone again. That was an appointment that didn't work out. And then, yeah, I do feel for Gloucester fans because having been you know nomadic for so long, having no ground of their own for something like 13 years, they had this homecoming. They, they had investment going into the club. They were top of the league. And in in a sense, if anybody deserved to have a team that were doing well, it, it was them because they, they've been through an awful lot. But all of a sudden, they're plunged back into, you know, some difficult times. Another game which was the early kickoff and was shown on the BBC online and on the red button was Brackley Town's trip to Hanley Town who were the Midlands Premier Division and a really tough tie for Brackley. Hanley included a few ex-Stoke and Port Vale players in their lineup, and I watched I watched a lot of that game and it, they made it really tough for Brackley who are a tough side themselves they're really hard to beat so I think that's a feather in the cap for Hanley taking that to a replay. It's a hugely creditable result for, for Hanley. When you know that Brackley on the road this season in National League North have picked up 13 points from 15, you would have looked at the difference in levels between the two sides and imagined that was going to be an away win. But they, they didn't have it 
all their own way at all, Brackley. They're a goal down at half-time from Louis Dodds, who I know he's played for a number of, of football league clubs. I think was last in the National League at Chorley. Um, Captain Gareth Dean stepped up with an equaliser for Brackley early in the second half, but they, they couldn't um, push home any kind of advantage there, and they're going to have to go again at St. James Park in midweek. A lot of draws, there was a lot of meetings between National League North sides, wasn't there? And there was two tra- two draws in that, but a lot of National League North sides look as though they're going to have to replay on, on Tuesday. Yeah, there were, there were a number of sides that are going to have to replay. Uh, there was a game between Spennymoor Town and, and Southport, which again, given the differential between the two sides in the league, you might have thought would be um, a, a routine Spennymoor victory. But Southport went there and got a very creditable goalless draw and then they'll, they'll take them back to, to Southport on Tuesday evening, I think. Uh, Kidderminster Harriers, they were made to work hard for a 1-1 draw at, at where? I don't know. You tell me, Dickie. Oh uh, no, he was where? No, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, I, I didn't know whether you. Well, we've had that joke all week, uh, and <laughs> that line probably didn't quite work there. But uh, yeah, a one-one draw for <laughs> Kidderminster. They'll be disappointed. You know, they would have liked to have got that one done at the first attempt. I'm absolutely sure of that one. Um, just having a look through the other results, York City had a fairly routine two-nil win over Whitby Town to progress there. Uh, uh, Runcorn Linnets uh, pushed Gateshead hard, actually. Gateshead came away with a 3-2 win at Runcorn in the end, but I think all credit to, to Runcorn for um, going toe-to-toe with one of the better footballing sides in the National League North. Um, Chester, they're going to have to go again as well. They get a goalless draw away at Mosque United, um, up in, uh, towards uh, Redcar Cleveland Way. Hereford, they had a decent 2-0 win uh, away at Merson, so they progressed there. Uh, there's a couple of others. Leamington and Kettering, yes, a 3-3 draw, an absolute ding-dong between those two teams uh, at the new Wilmill ground yesterday. Um, I know Leamington's Jack Edwards saw uh, a red card in the first half and Leamington twice came from behind um, to retrieve a 3-3 draw there. But but I think with the form that Kettering are in, um, you would maybe make them slight favourites for that game um, on Tuesday evening when they play again. Uh, Goisley beat Bly Spartans 1-0. A Jamie Spencer goal was enough um, for Goisley to progress. They had a good run to the second round um, a, a couple of years ago in a televised tie, as I remember. And, of course, everybody knows Bly Spartans FA Cup pedigree, but they're not going to be taking it any further than the third qualifying round this year. Occurs in Ashton, they, they're going really well in the National League North this year. And I, I popped down to watch them. They took on what was potentially a tricky-looking tie against Northern Premier Division 1 East side. Cleethorpe's Town have been going well in their division this season. However, Curzon steamed into the lead. They were 3-0 up after just 13 minutes. Two goals from Harry Flowers. And then Alex Curran added a third before a fantastic long-range effort from Jordan Mussey right on half-time. More or less saw the game done and dusted in the first half. Curzon dropped a little bit in the second half. It was comfortable stuff. Steve Cunningham wasn't happy with the performance in the second half, but he was happy with the result overall. And I caught up with him after the game. So, Steve, uh, I looked at the clock at 13 minutes and you were 3-0 up. It was almost job done, wasn't it, by then? 
it was, but I think that's what then spoiled the game a little bit for us because you saw second half, I wasn't happy. I was quite animated because I want to put on a show for the home fans and I also want to do the right things in. A bit like Stockton and a bit like Bradford, when we start scoring early doors, we seem to just drop off and do the wrong things. But, you know, look, the first 20 minutes, how clinical we were. Credit to Cleethorpe Town. I thought they were a fantastic footballing team and they played our surface really well. They popped it around and probably been one of the better teams we've played this season. But I can't be too disappointed because we've just won 4-0. Is that not a good thing, though, that you're getting games done early? Yeah, 100%. Listen, yeah, uh, we took the wind out of their sail first half. The game was over at our time. Um, it's going to take a very, very good t- team to beat us 5-4 when you're 4-0 up. Yeah. It is. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah. you know, um, I was comfortable, but we don't want to drop into that mindset. But it, unfortunately, it's football and you do. When you go up yeah. 4-0, you drop off. And um, it was disappointing for us because we didn't really go and put the foot to the floor. But listen, uh, we're into the next round of the hat. It's six wins in a row and I don't think the club have done that in a very long time. So, yeah, very proud. It's interesting watching your second half or getting animated I suppose that's a high standard you set now because third in the league only one defeat all season as well you're setting high standards for a club of Curzon Ashton's size if I'd have offered you third at this day decision you'd probably rip my arm out of the socket wouldn't you no I'd have been disappointed that we weren't second you know? <laughs> or top <laughs> yeah, yeah. no no I think um, yeah of course we would we're, we're very happy we've got targets that we want to achieve we're above them at the moment we're not going to get above our station but I think the team's growing we, and if you think we're disappointed and we've won 4-0 so um, yeah we've come a long way in a short space of time but football changes we know that um, but yeah we're just enjoying it at the moment and um, you know we're sitting third in the league uh, unbeaten run we're in the next round of the cup the club have got some money and uh, everything's good big thing about your squad is you've got a lot of players who've experienced at this level as well aren't you yeah we were, and they're all young though as well I mean if you look at my average age of my team's 23 it's fantastic that we've got legs we've got energy we've got pace we've got creativity we've got goals all over the team you know you look at Harry Flowers with two goals today Jack Mackay's been scoring Adam Thomas has been scoring no Dom Knowles we left Dom Knowles out today just to try and rest him so yeah it's uh, it's gone well and yeah we're, we're just more than happy and your name's in the hat now you're both for a home draw maybe getting a National League side as well uh, I'd like to try and stay clear of them and try and get in that first round if we can. But uh, no, listen, you, you pull out who you pull out and you just uh, treat everyone exactly the same. And obviously, going forward this season, like you say, you've made your ambitions high. I mean, can we talk about playoffs for Curzon? Uh, no, we can't, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> no not at all. Um, I mean, listen, we're, um, we're a team that's very much um, in its infancy. We know what we want to achieve this year and... Um, Listen, in our dressing room, we're confident that we can give any team in this league a game of football. And um, if we perform like we did the last few weeks, we'll give anyone a game and we've got a chance of three points. And if those three points get us playoffs at the end of the season, fantastic. We've only played seven league games and uh, there's still a long way to go. So playoffs <laughs> is not a talk. We, it's not a word we're using at the moment, Luke. <laughs> and that was Steve Cunningham. And a quick word, Dickie. I mean, what a fantastic achievement. He played down that they were like, going to really have any success this season. But... They'll be certainly they'll be getting the cards marked now slowly, won't they? Yeah, um, I, I think Kurz Nashton uh, consistently punch above their weight in National League North. Um, they they were on a decent run of form when the season was suspended last season, and and Stephen Cunningham's doing a. a, a really really good job with them there. I think they were four 0 up at half time in their last FA Cup tie as well. So, you know. It, it's interesting, you know, being a little bit unsatisfied with the second half performance when you're already 4-0 up isn't a bad position to be in, is it really? Um, I think he's in with a really good shout of being the manager of the month for September. Um, <laughs> he probably won't want to be manager of the month given the supposed curse that goes with that one. Yeah. But Curzon Ashton making terrific progress. 
again, they're a side who've had um, progress to the first round proper in the past, and, and they had a, a that famous televised tie where they won three 0 and then contrived to lose four three in the last minute. Um, but yeah, they'll be hoping to go a little bit better than than this this time, and they look as if they've got the team to do it. You know, Harry Flowers is a, a another good signing for them. Alex Curran, we've spoken about some of the players that they've brought in. There's quality in that side, um, and Kurz Nashton. Yeah, they, they shouldn't. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Um, there's one other tie that we missed out yesterday involving National League North sides, which was another side who've progressed to the first round prop in recent seasons, which is Boston United. They had a fairly routine four nil home win over East Thurrock, and they're into the fourth qualifying round hat on Monday. And also York prevailed in a localish derby against Whitby as well by two goals to nil. And, and Whitby are quite a tough side to beat. So, Steve, what's inside in the hat as well for the fourth qualifying round? Yeah, they'll be pleased with that one. I mean, I think that when we've had Phil Annex on with us before, he, he drew up, brought out a stat about York City um, and their... Uh, at what rounds they've progressed to in the past, obviously with the football league history um, <clears throat> that they have, they're not used to playing in these qualifying rounds. I don't think it's a source of particular joy to York fans that they're playing in the second, third and fourth qualifying rounds. But, you know, the, the exposure that an FA Cup run would would help them with, um, they're in their new stadium so an attractive proposition if they were to, to pull out a good tie there but they've got a full qualifying round tie to get through yet but they're in the hat which is all you can ask for coming up in midweek it's a full quota of fixtures in the national league and, and there are some really mouth-watering ties there i'm just going to go through the pick of them quickly altrincham you've had fantastic results really good at home they Welcome the league leaders grimsby town to moss lane halifax take on knotts county uh, Woking take on Dagenham, as we mentioned. Woking have had those two fantastic results, so a tough test there for Dagenham. Wrexham against Chesterfield as well. So make sure that you get down to your local National League ground if you can go and watch some entertaining football. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. Dickie, uh, thank you very much. No, you're very welcome. It's always a, a pleasure to spend some time with you on a Sunday morning. Yeah, and I know you're, you're in a hotel room in Darlington, so safe trip back. <laughs> Thanks very much indeed. Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always. Have a great week, guys. And don't forget to subscribe to us on all good podcasting platforms. Give us a follow as well on Twitter at NL Full Time. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time and also on Instagram, it's NL Full Time as well. Until then, look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon. Music.